0: The Holy Gospel of Jesus Christ according to Matthew A Record of the ancestry from which Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham was born. Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac of Jacob, Jacob of Judas and his brethren. Judas of Faris and Zara by Thema, Faris of Ezran, Ezran of Aram, Aram of Aminadab, Aminadab of Nasan, Nasan of Salmon, Salmon of Boaz by Rahab, Boaz of Obed by Ruth, Obed of Jesse, and Jesse was the father of King David. And King David was the father of Solomon by her that had been the wife of Arias. Solomon was the father of Rehoboam; Rehoboam of Abir, Abir of Asa, Asa of Josaphat, Josaphat of Joram, Joram of Azias, Azias of Jotham, Jotham of Arkaz, Arkaz of Ezekias, Ezekias of Manasses, Manasses of Ammon, Ammon of Josias, and Josias was the father of Jeconias and his brethren at the time of the removal to Babylon. And after the removal to Babylon, Jeconias was the father of Zelathiel, Zelathiel of Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel of Abed, Abed of Eliakim, Eliakim of Azar, Azar of Sadakh, Sardak of Akim, Akim of Eliad, Eliad of Eliezer, Eliezer of Marthan, Marthan of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. It was of her that Jesus was born, who is called Christ. Mencina Knox puts a footnote in here, which I'll read. If this genealogy is compared with that given by St. Luke, it is clear that one at least of the two evangelists must have reckoned descent by adoption as sufficient to make our Lord the legal inheritor of Abraham's blessing and of David's kingdom. It is therefore not surprising that both have traces ancestry through his foster father. It is a common opinion derived from the fathers that St. Joseph and the Blessed Virgin were closely related. I go back to the text. Thus there are fourteen generations in all, from Abraham to David, fourteen from David to the captivity in Babylon, and fourteen from the captivity in Babylon to Christ. And this was the manner of Christ's birth. His mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, but they had not yet come together when she was found to be with child by the power of the Holy Ghost. Whereupon her husband Joseph for he was a right-minded man and would not have her put to open shame, was for sending her away in secret. But hardly had this thought come to his mind when an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take thy wife Mary to thyself, for it is by the power of the Holy Ghost that she has conceived this child, and she will bear a son whom thou shalt call Jesus, for he is to save his people from their sins. All this was so ordained to fulfill the word which the Lord spoke by his prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And Joseph awoke from sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, taking his wife to himself. And he had not known her when she bore a son, her firstborn, to whom he gave the name Jesus. There's another footnote here which Minsheen Knox gives. I'll read it. The text here is more literally rendered He knew her not till she bore a son. But the Hebrew word represented by till does not imply that the event which might have been expected did take place afterwards. And he refers us to Genesis chapter 8, verse 7, Psalm 109, verse 2, Daniel chapter 6, verse 24 one Maccabees chapter five verse fifty four so that this phrase does not impugn the perpetual virginity of our lady, nor is any such inference to be drawn when our Lord is called her firstborn son, which refers to his position as redeemable under the old law. Jesus was born at Bethlehem in Judah in the days of King Herod. And thereupon certain wise men came out of the east to Jerusalem, who asked, Where is he that has been born, the king of the Jews? We have seen his star out in the east, and we have come to worship him. King Herod was troubled when he heard it, and all Jerusalem with him, so that he assembled all the chief priests and learned men among the people, and inquired of them where it was that Christ would be born. And they told him, At Bethlehem in Judah. So it has been written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, of the land of Judah, art far from the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee will arise a leader, who is to be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then, summoning the wise men in secret, Herod questioned them closely upon the time of the stars appearing. And he sent them on their way to Bethlehem, saying to them, Go and inquire carefully for the child, and when you found him, bring me back word so that I too may come and worship him. They obeyed the king and went on their journey, and all at once the star which they had seen in the east was there going before them, till at last it stood still over the place where the child was. They, when they saw the star, were glad beyond measure, and so, going into the dwelling, they found the child there with his mother Mary and fell down to worship him. And opening their store of treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Afterwards, because they had received a warning in a dream forbidding them to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by a different way. As soon as they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise up, take with thee the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt. There remain until I give thee word." for Herod will soon be making search for the child to destroy him. He rose up, therefore, while it was still light, and took the child and his mother with him, and withdrew into Egypt, where he remained until the death of Herod. In fulfillment of the word which the Lord spoke by his prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Meanwhile, when he found that the wise men had played him false, Herod was angry beyond measure. He sent and made away with all the male children in Bethlehem and in all its neighborhood of two years old and less, reckoning the time by the careful inquiry which he had made of the wise men. It was then that the word spoken by the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and great mourning. It was Rachel, weeping for her children, and she would not be comforted, because none is left. But as soon as Herod was dead... An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in Egypt in a dream, and said, Rise up, take with thee the child and his mother, and return to the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So he arose, and took the child and his mother with him, and came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was king in Judea, in the place of his father Herod, he was afraid to return there, and so, receiving a warning in a dream, He withdrew into the region of Galilee, where he came to live in a town called Nazareth. In fulfillment of what was said by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. In those days, John the Baptist appeared, preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It was him that the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, there is a voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, straighten out his paths." And he, John, wore a garment of camel's hair, and a leather girdle about his loins, and locusts and wild honey were his food. Thereupon Jerusalem, and all Judea, and all those who dwelt round Jordan, went out to see him, and he baptized them in the Jordan, while they confessed their sins. Many of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees came to his baptizing, and when he saw these, he asked them, Who was it that taught you, brood of vipers, to flee from the vengeance that draws near? Come then, yield the acceptable fruit of repentance. Do not presume to say in your hearts, We have Abraham for our father. I tell you, God has power to raise up children to Abraham out of these very stones. Already the axe has been put to the root of the trees, so that every tree which does not show good fruit will be hewn down and cast into the fire. As for me, I am baptizing with water for your repentance. But one is to come after me who is mightier than I, so that I am not worthy even to carry his shoes for him. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He holds his winnowing fan ready to sweep his threshing floor clean. He will gather the wheat into his barn but the chaff he will consume with fire that can never be quenched. Then Jesus came from Galilee and stood before John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have restrained him. It is I, he said, that ought to be baptized by thee, and dost thou come to me instead? But Jesus answered, Let it be so for the present. It is well that we should thus fulfill all due observance. Then John gave way to him. So Jesus was baptized, and as he came straight up out of the water, suddenly heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God coming down like a dove and resting upon him. And with that, a voice came from heaven which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And now Jesus was led by the Spirit away into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. Forty days and forty nights he spent fasting, and at the end of them was hungry. Then the tempter approached and said to him, If thou art the Son of God, bid these stones turn into loaves of bread. He answered, It is written, Man cannot live by bread only. There is life for him in all the words which proceed from the mouth of God. Next the devil took him into the holy city, and there set him down on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If thou art the Son of God, cast thyself down to earth. For it is written, He has given charge to his angels concerning thee, and they will hold thee up with their hands, lest thou shouldst chance to trip on a stone. Jesus said to him, But it is further written, Thou shalt not put the Lord thy God to the proof. Mancino Knox gives a little footnote here. He says, If our Lord had consented to cast himself down, he would have been testing God's loving care of him. Tempting providence, as we say, by putting himself deliberately in danger. I go back to the text. Once more the devil took him to the top of an exceedingly high mountain, from which he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them, and said, I will give thee all these, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with thee, Satan. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and served none but him. Then the devil left him alone, and thereupon angels came and ministered to him. After this, hearing of John's imprisonment, he withdrew into Galilee. And now, forsaking the city of Nazareth, he came and settled down in Cephanium, which is by the seashore, in the country of Zabalon and Nephthilim, in fulfillment of what was said by the prophet Isaiah. The land of Zebulun and Nephilim, on the sea road, beyond Jordan, the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people that abode in darkness have seen a great light. For men abiding in a land where death overshadowed them, light has dawned. From that time onwards, Jesus began to preach. Repent, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee... Jesus saw two brethren, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Come and follow me, I will make you into fishers of men. And they dropped their nets immediately and followed him. Then he went further on and saw two others that were brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in the boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets, and he called them to him. Whereupon they dropped the nets, and left their father immediately, and followed him. So Jesus went about the whole of Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every kind of disease and infirmity among the people. So that his fame spread throughout the whole of Syria, and they brought to him all those who were in affliction, distressed with pain and sickness of every sort, the possessed, the lunatics, the palsied, and he healed them. And a great multitude followed him, from Galilee and Decapolis, Jerusalem and Judea, and the country beyond Jordan. Jesus, when he saw how great was their number, went up onto the mountainside. There he sat down, and his disciples came about him. And he began speaking to them. This was the teaching he gave. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the patient, they shall inherit the land. Blessed are those who mourn, they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for holiness, they shall have their fill. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the clean of heart, they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be counted the children of God. Blessed are those who suffer persecution in the cause of right. The kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute you and speak all manner of evil against you falsely because of me. Be glad and light-hearted, for a rich reward awaits you in heaven. So it was they persecuted the prophets who went before you. You are the salt of the earth. If salt loses its taste... What is there left to give taste to it? There's no more to be done with it, but throw it out of doors for men to tread it underfoot. You are the light of the world. A city cannot be hidden if it's built on a mountain top. A lamp is not lighted to be put away under a bushel measure. It's put on the lampstand to give light to all the people of the house. And your light must shine so brightly before men that they can see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to set aside the law and the prophets. I have not come to set them aside, but to bring them to perfection. Believe me, heaven and earth must disappear sooner than one jot, one flourish, disappear from the law. It must all be accomplished. Whoever then sets aside one of these commandments, though it were the least, and teaches men to do the like, will be of least account in the kingdom of heaven. But the man who keeps them, and teaches others to keep them, will be accounted in the kingdom of heaven as the greatest. And I tell you, that if your justice does not give fuller measure than the justice of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You have heard that it was said to the men of old, Thou shalt do no murder. If a man commits murder, he must answer for it before the court of justice. But I tell you that any man who is angry with his brother must answer for it before the court of justice. And any man who says Raka to his brother must answer for it before the council. And any man who says to his brother, Thou fool, must answer for it in hell fire. If thou art bringing thy gift then before the altar, and rememberest there that thy brother has some ground of complaint against thee, leave thy gift lying there before the altar and go home. Be reconciled with thy brother first, and then come back to offer thy gift. If any man has a claim against thee, come to terms there and then, while thou art walking in the road with him. Or else it may be that the claimant will hand thee over to the judge, and the judge to the officer, and so thou wilt be cast into prison. Believe me, thou shalt not be set at liberty until thou hast paid the last farthing. You have heard that it was said, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I tell you that he who casts his eyes on a woman so as to lust after her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If thy right eye is the occasion of thy falling into sin, pluck it out and cast it away from thee. Better to lose one part of thy body than to have the whole cast into hell. And if thy right hand is an occasion of falling, Cut it off and cast it away from thee. Better to lose one of thy limbs than to have thy whole body cast into hell. It was said, too, whoever will put away his wife must first give her a writ of separation. But I tell you that the man who puts his wife away, setting aside the matter of unfaithfulness, makes an adulteress of her, and whoever marries her after she has been put away commits adultery. Mancini Knox gives a footnote here. He says, By the law of Moses, a husband might not turn his wife out of doors without giving her a certificate of freedom, which showed that he had no further claim on her. Even so, our Lord teaches, the husband's behavior is selfish, since the dismissed wife would be tempted to remarry and thus become, in God's sight, an adulteress. The Greek word, here translated setting aside, has commonly been taken as meaning unless she is unfaithful, but it can also be interpreted as meaning whether she is unfaithful or not. I go on with the text. Again, you have heard that it was said to the men of old, Thou shalt not perjure thyself. Thou shalt perform what thou hast sworn in the sight of the Lord. Mancini-Dox gives another footnote here. He says... Our Lord here condemns those pharisaical evasions which might make it lawful to perjure oneself as long as the oath was not taken directly in the name of God. I return to the text. But I tell you that you should not bind yourself by any oath at all, not by heaven, for heaven is God's throne, nor by earth, for earth is the footstool under his feet, nor by Jerusalem, For it is the city of the great king. And thou shalt not swear by thy own head, for thou hast no power to turn a single hair of it white or black. Let your word be yes for yes, and no for no. Whatever goes beyond this comes of evil. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you that you should not offer resistance to injury. If a man strikes thee on thy right cheek, turn the other cheek also towards him. If he is ready to go to law with thee over thy coat, let him have it, and thy cloak with it. If he compels thee to attend him on a mile's journey, go two miles with him, of thy own accord. Give to him who asks, and if a man would borrow from thee, do not turn away. You have heard that it was said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who persecute you and insult you. That so, you may be true sons of your Father in heaven, who makes his Son rise on the evil and equally on the good. His reign fall on the just and equally on the unjust. If you love those who love you, what title have you to a reward? Will not the publicans do as much? If you greet none but your brethren, what are you doing more than others? Will not the very heathen do as much? But you are to be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be sure you do not perform your acts of piety before men for them to watch. If you do that, you have no title to a reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when thou givest alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in synagogues and in streets to win the esteem of men. Believe me, they have their reward already. But when thou givest alms, thou shalt not so much as let thy left hand know what thy right hand is doing. So secret is thy giving to be. And then thy Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward thee. And when you pray... You are not to be like hypocrites who love to stand praying in synagogues or at street corners to be a mark for men's eyes. Believe me, they have their reward already. But when thou art praying, go into thy inner room and shut the door upon thyself and so pray to thy father in secret and then thy father who sees what is done in secret will reward thee. Moreover, when you are at prayer, Do not use many phrases like the heathens, who think to make themselves heard by their eloquence. There's a footnote here. Mancini says, The very rare verb which our Lord uses here probably means to stammer, to hesitate. The heathens used to address their gods by a series of titles, with a superstitious idea that the prayer would not be heard unless the right title was hit upon I go back to the text. You are not to be like them. Your heavenly Father knows well what your needs are before you ask him. This, then, is to be your prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Your Heavenly Father will forgive you your transgressions if you forgive your fellow men theirs. If you do not forgive them, your Heavenly Father will not forgive your transgressions either. Again, when you fast, do not show it by gloomy looks, as the hypocrites do. They make their faces unsightly, so that men can see they are fasting. Believe me, they have their reward already. But do thou, at thy times of fasting, anoint thy head, and wash thy face, so that thy fast may not be known to men, but to thy Father who dwells in secret. And then thy Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward thee. Do not lay up treasure for yourselves on earth, where there is moth and rust to consume it, where there are thieves to break in and steal it. Lay up treasure for yourselves in heaven, where there is no moth or rust to consume it, no thieves to break in and steal. Where your treasure house is, there your heart is too. The eye is the light of the whole body, so that if thy eye is clear, the whole of thy body will be lit up, whereas if thy eye is diseased, the whole of thy body will be in darkness. And if the light which thou hast in thee is itself darkness, what of thy darkness? How deep will that be? A man cannot be the slave of two masters at once. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will devote himself to the one and despise the other. You must serve God or money. You cannot serve both. I say to you then, do not fret over your life, how to support it with food and drink over your body, how to keep it clothed. Is not life itself a greater gift than food, the body than clothing? See how the birds of the air never sow, or reap, or gather grain into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Have you not an excellence beyond theirs? Can any one of you, for all his anxiety, add a cubit's growth to his height? And why should you be anxious over clothing, See how the wild lilies grow. They do not toil or spin. And yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God then so clothes the grasses of the field, which to-day live and will feed the oven tomorrow, will he not be much more ready to clothe you, men of little faith? Do not fret then, asking, What are we to eat, or what are we to drink, or how shall we find clothing? It is for the heathen to busy themselves over such things. You have a Father in heaven who knows that you need them all. Make it your first care to find the kingdom of God and his approval, and all these things shall be yours without the asking. Do not fret, then, over tomorrow. Leave tomorrow to fret over its own needs. For today, today's troubles are enough. Do not judge others, or you yourselves will be judged. As you have judged, so you will be judged by the same rule. A ward shall be made you as you have made a ward in the same measure. How is it that thou can see the speck of dust which is in thy brother's eye, and art not aware of the beam which is in thy own? By what right wilt thou say to thy brother, Wait, let me rid thy eye of that speck, when there is a beam all the while in thy own? Now, hypocrite, take the beam out of thy own eye first, and so thou shalt have clear sight to rid thy brothers of the speck. You must not give that which is holy to dogs; do not cast your pearls before swine, or the swine may trample them underfoot, and then turn on you and tear you to pieces. Ask and the gift will come; seek and you shall find; knock and the door shall be opened to you. Everyone that asks will receive, that seeks will find, that knocks will have the door opened to him. If any one of yourselves is asked by his son for bread, will he give him a stone? If he is asked for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead? Why then, if you, evil as you are, know well enough how to give your children what is good for them, Is not your Father in heaven much more ready to give wholesome gifts to those who ask him? Do to other men all that you would have them do to you. That is the law and the prophets. Make your way in by the narrow gate. It's a broad gate and a wide road that leads on to perdition. And those who go in that way are many indeed. But how small is the gate, how narrow the way that leads on to life and how few there are that find it. Be on your guard against false prophets, men who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are ravenous wolves within. You will know them by the fruit they yield. Can grapes be plucked from briars, or figs from thistles? So indeed, any sound tree will bear good fruit, while any tree that is withered will bear fruit that is worthless. That worthless fruit should come from a sound tree or good fruit from a withered tree is impossible. Any tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I say, therefore, it is by their fruit that you will know them. The kingdom of heaven would not give entrance to every man who calls me Master, Master, only to the man that does the will of my Father who is in heaven. There are many who will say to me, when that day comes, Master, Master, was it not in thy name we prophesied? Was it not in thy name that we perform many miracles? Whereupon I will tell them openly, You are never friends of mine. Depart from me, you that traffic in wrongdoing. Whoever then hears these commandments of mine and carries them out is like a wise man who built his house upon rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, but it did not fall, it was founded upon rock. But whoever hears these commandments of mine and does not carry them out is like a fool who built his house upon sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Afterwards, when Jesus had finished these sayings, the multitude found themselves amazed at his teaching, for he taught them not like their scribes and Pharisees, but like one who had authority. A great multitude followed him when he had come down from the mountain. And now a leper came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if it be thy will, thou hast power to make me clean." Jesus held out his hand and touched him and said, It is my will. Be thou made clean. Whereupon his leprosy was immediately cleansed. Then Jesus said, Be sure thou dost not tell any man of it. Rather go, and show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift which Moses ordained, to make the truth known to them. As he entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for his aid. Lord, he said, I have a servant lying sick at my house, cruelly tormented with the palsy. Jesus said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to receive thee under my roof. My servant will be healed if thou wilt only speak a word of command. I do know what it is to obey authority. I have soldiers under me, and I say, Go to one man, and he goes, or come to another, and he comes, or do this to my servant, and he does it. When he heard that, Jesus said to his followers in amazement, Believe me, I have not found faith like this even in Israel. And this I tell you, that there are many who will come from the east and from the west, and will take their places in the kingdom of God with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, while that kingdom's own sons are cast into the darkness without, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion Jesus said, Go then, Let it be done to thee as thy faith foretold. And at that hour his servant was healed. And Jesus went into Peter's house, and found his wife's mother lying sick there with a fever. He touched her hand, and the fever left her, so that she rose up and ministered to them. And when evening came, they brought to him many persons who were possessed. And he cast out the evil spirits with his word, and healed all that were sick. In fulfillment of the words spoken by Isaiah the prophet, he took our infirmities upon himself, and bore our sicknesses. And now, seeing how great were the multitudes about him, he gave the word for crossing to the other side. Whereupon one of the scribes came to him and said, Master, I will follow thee wherever thou art going. But Jesus told him, Foxes have holes, and the birds of the air their resting places. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And another of his disciples said to him, Lord, give me leave to go home and bury my father before I come. But to him Jesus said, Do thou follow me, and leave the dead to bury their dead. So he took ship, and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great storm arose on the sea, so that the waves rose high over the ship, but he lay asleep. And his disciples came and roused him, crying, Lord, save us, we are sinking. But Jesus said to them, Why are you faint-hearted, men of little faith? Then he rose up, and checked the winds and the sea, and there was a deep calm. So that all asked in amazement, What kind of man is this, who is obeyed even by the winds and the sea? So he reached the other shore, in the country of the Gerasenes, and here he was met by two possessed creatures who came out of the rock tombs, so exceedingly fierce that none could pass along that road. And at once they cried aloud, Why dost thou meddle with us, Jesus, Son of God? Hast thou come here to torment us before the appointed time? Some distance away, a great herd of swine was feeding, and the devils asked a favor of him. If thou hast a mind to cast us out, they said, send us into the herd of swine. He said to them, Away with you. And they came out and went into the herd of swine, and with that, All the herd rushed down the cliff into the sea, and perished in its waters. The swineherds fled to the city, and there told all that had happened, and the story of those who had been possessed. And thereupon all the townspeople went out to meet Jesus, and when they found him, they entreated him to leave their country. So he took ship across the sea, and came to his own city. And now they brought before him a man who was palsied and bedridden. Whereupon Jesus, seeing their faith, said to the palsied man, Son, take courage, thy sins are forgiven. And at this some of the scribes said to themselves, He is talking blasphemously. Jesus read their minds and said, Why do you cherish wicked thoughts in your hearts? Tell me, which command is more lightly given, to say to a man, Thy sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise up and walk? And now, to convince you that the Son of Man has authority to forgive sins while he is on earth, here he spoke to the palsied man, Rise up, take thy bed with thee, and go home. And he rose up and went back to his house, so that the multitudes were filled with awe at seeing it, and praised God for giving such powers to men. As he passed further on his way, Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at work in the customs house, and said to him, Follow me. And Matthew rose from his place and followed him. And afterwards, when he was taking a meal in the house, many publicans and sinners were to be found at table with him and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and asked his disciples, How comes it that your master eats with publicans and sinners? Jesus heard it and said, It's not those who are in health that have need of the physician, it's those who are sick. Go home and find out what the words mean. It is mercy that wins favor with me, not sacrifice. I have come to call sinners, not the just. Then John's disciples came to him and asked, How is it that thy disciples do not fast, when we and the Pharisees fast so often? To them Jesus said, Can you expect the men of the bridegroom's company to go mourning, while the bridegroom is still with them? No, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, then they will fast. "'Nobody uses a piece of new cloth to patch an old cloak. "'That would take away from the cloak all its pattern "'and make the rent in it worse than before. "'Nor is new wine put into old wineskins. "'If that is done, the skins burst, "'and there is the wine spilt and the skins spoilt. "'If the wine is new, it's put into fresh wineskins, "'and so both are kept safe.' "'While he thus spoke to them,' It chanced that one of the rulers came and knelt before him and said, Lord, my daughter is this moment dead. Come now, and lay thy hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus rose up and went after him, and so did his disciples. And now a woman who for twelve years had been troubled with an issue of blood came up behind him and touched the hem of his cloak. She said to herself, If I can even touch the hem of his cloak, I shall be healed. Jesus turned and caught sight of her, and he said, Have no fear, my daughter, thy faith has brought thee healing. And the woman recovered her health from that hour. So Jesus came into the ruler's house, where he found mourners playing the flute, and the multitude thronging noisily. And he said, Make room there, the child is not dead, she is asleep. And they laughed aloud at him. But when the multitude had been turned away, he went in and took the girl by the hand, and she rose up. And the story of these doings spread abroad through all the country round. As Jesus was going further on his way, he was followed by two blind men, who cried aloud, Son of David, have pity on us. These blind men came to him when he had gone into his lodging, and Jesus said to them, Have you the faith to believe that I can do this? And they said to him, Yes, Lord. Thereupon he touched their eyes and said, Your faith shall not be disappointed. Then their eyes were opened, and Jesus laid a strict charge on them, telling them, Be sure nobody hears of this. But they had no sooner gone out than they talked of him in all the country round. And it chanced that as they were going, a dumb man was brought to him, possessed with the devil. The devil was cast out, and the dumb man found speech, at which the multitudes were filled with amazement. Nothing like this, they said, was ever seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, It's the prince of the devils that enables him to cast the devils out. So Jesus went about all their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and curing every kind of disease and infirmity. Yet still, when he looked at the multitudes, he was moved with pity for them, seeing them harried and abject, like sheep that have no shepherd. Thereupon he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful enough, but the laborers are few. You must ask the Lord to whom the harvest belongs to send laborers out for the harvesting. So he called his twelve disciples to him and gave them authority to cast out unclean spirits and to heal every kind of disease and infirmity. These are the names of the twelve apostles, first Simon, also called Peter, then his brother Andrew, James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew the publican, James the son of Alphaeus and Tadeus, Simon the Cananean, and Judas Iscariot the traitor. These twelve Jesus sent out, but first gave him their instructions. Do not go, he said, into the walks of the Gentiles, or enter any city of Samaria. Go rather to the lost sheep that belong to the house of Israel, and preach as you go, telling them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Give as you have received the gift, without payment. Do not provide gold or silver or copper to fill your passes, nor a wallet for the journey, no second coat, no spare shoes or staff. The laborer has a right to his maintenance. Whenever you enter a city or a village... Find out who is worthy to be your host, and make your lodging there until you go away. When you enter this house, you are to wish it well, and so, if the house is worthy, your good wishes shall come down upon it. If unworthy, let them come back to you the way they went. And wherever they will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave that city or that house. I promise you, it shall go less hard with the land of Sodom and Gomorrah at the Day of Judgment Than with that city. Remember, I am sending you out to be like sheep among wolves. You must be wary then as serpents, and yet innocent as doves. Do not put your trust in men. They will hand you over to courts of judgment and scourge you in their synagogues. Yes, and you will be brought before governors and kings on my account, so that you can bear witness before them and before the Gentiles. Only when they hand you over thus, do not consider anxiously what you are to say or how you are to say it. Words will be given you when the time comes. It is not you who speak, it is the spirit of your father that speaks in you. Brothers will be given up to execution by their brothers, and children by their fathers. Children will rise up against their parents and will compass their deaths, and you will be hated by all men because you bear my name. That man will be saved who endures to the last. Only if they persecute you in one city, take refuge in another. I promise you, the Son of Man will come before your task with the cities of Israel is ended. A disciple is no better than his master, a servant than his lord. Enough that the disciple should fare like his master, the servant like his lord. If they have cried Beelzebub at the master of the house, they will do it much more readily to the men of his household. Do not then be afraid of them. What is veiled will all be revealed, what is hidden will all be known. What I have said to you under cover of darkness, you are to utter in the light of day. What has been whispered in your ears, you are to proclaim on the housetops. And there is no need to fear those who kill the body, but have no means of killing the soul. Fear him more, who has the power to ruin body and soul in hell. Are not sparrows sold two for a penny? And yet it is impossible for one of them to fall to the ground without your heavenly Father's will. And as for you, he takes every hair of your head into his reckoning. Do not be afraid, then. You count for more than a host of sparrows. And now, whoever acknowledges me before men, I too will acknowledge him before my Father who is in heaven. And whoever disowns me before men, before my Father in heaven, I too will disown him. Do not imagine that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to bring a sword, not peace. I have come to set a man at variance with his father, and the daughter with her mother, and the daughter-in-law with her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be the people of his own house. He is not worthy of me that loves father or mother more. He is not worthy of me that loves son or daughter more. He is not worthy of me that does not take up his cross and follow me. He who secures his own life will lose it. It is the man who loses his life for my sake that will secure it. He who gives you welcome gives me welcome too, and he who gives me welcome gives welcome to him that sent me. He who gives a profit the welcome due to a prophet shall receive the reward given to prophets. And he who gives a just man the welcome due to a just man shall receive the reward given to just men. And if a man gives so much as a draught of cold water to one of the least of these here, because he is a disciple of mine, I promise you he shall not miss his reward. When Jesus had done giving instructions to his twelve disciples, he left the place where he was to teach and preach in their cities. Now John had heard in his prison of Christ's doings, and he sent two of his disciples to him. Is it thy coming that was foretold, he asked, or are we yet waiting for some other? Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what your own ears and eyes have witnessed, how the blind see and the lame walk, how the lepers are made clean and the deaf hear, how the dead are raised to life and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is the man who does not lose confidence in me. As they went out, Jesus took occasion to speak of John to the multitudes. What was it, he asked, that you expected to see when you went out into the wilderness? Was it a reed trembling in the wind? No, not that. What was it you went out to see? Was it a man clad in silk? You must look in kings' palaces for men that go clad in silk. What was it, then, that you went out to see? A prophet? Yes, and something more, I tell you, than a prophet. This is the man of whom it was written, Behold, I am sending before thee that angel of mine, who is to prepare thy way for thy coming. Believe me, God has raised up no greater son of woman than John the Baptist, and yet to be least in the kingdom of heaven is to be greater than he. Ever since John the Baptist's time, the kingdom of heaven has opened to force, and the forceful are even now making it their prize, whereas all the prophets and the law before John's time could only speak of things that were to come. Mancini and Knox has put a footnote here which I'll read. St. John the Baptist, as the final product of the old dispensation, is less than the least of those who enjoy the blessings of the new. Like the patriarchs, He only looked forward to the world's redemption as something that lay in the future by the light of hope and died before its accomplishment instead of being able to press into the kingdom of heaven like the common sort of Christians. I go on with the text. And this I tell you, if you will make room for it in your minds, that he is that Elias whose coming was prophesied. Listen, you that have ears to hear with. Another footnote here, by Mancini Knox, he says, In John 1, verse 21, St. John the Baptist says that he is not the prophet Elias, but evidently he is speaking of, the, of his personal identity, whereas our Lord here is speaking of the office which he fulfilled. I go back to the text. As for this generation, to what shall I compare it? It reminds me of those children who call out to their companions as they sit in the marketplace, and say, You would not dance when we piped to you, or beat the breast when we wept to you. When John came, he would neither eat nor drink, and they say of him that he is possessed. When the Son of Man came, he ate and drank with them, and of him they say, Here is a glutton, he loves wine, he is a friend of publicans and sinners. It is by her own children that wisdom is vindicated. Another footnote here from Monsignor Knox. He says, Her children, that is, those who are enlightened by the divine wisdom. The meaning may be that both our Lord and St. John proved themselves in different ways children of wisdom, or in the sense that the common people were wiser in this matter than the scribes and Pharisees. I go back to the text. Thereupon he took occasion to reproach for their impenitence the cities in which he had done most of his miracles. Woe to thee, Gorazain! Woe to thee, Bethsaida! Tyre and Sidon would have repented in sackcloth and ashes long ago if the miracles done in you had been done there instead. And I say this, that it shall go less hard with Tyre and Sidon at the Day of Judgment than with you." And thou, Cephanim, dost thou hope to be lifted up high as heaven, thou shalt fall low as hell. Sodom itself, if the miracles done in thee had been done there, might have stood to this day. And I say this, that it shall go less hard with the country of Sodom at the day of judgment than with thee. At that time Jesus said openly, Father, who art Lord of heaven and earth, I give thee praise that thou hast hidden all this from the wise and the prudent, and revealed it to little children. Be it so, Father, since this finds favour in thy sight. My Father has entrusted everything into my hands. None knows the Son, truly, except the Father, and none knows the Father, truly, except the Son, and those to whom it is the Son's good pleasure to reveal him. Come to me, all you that labour and burdened. I will give you rest, take my yoke upon yourselves, and learn from me I am gentle and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. At this time, Jesus was walking through the cornfields on the Sabbath day, and his disciples, who were hungry, fell to plucking the ears of corn and eating them. The Pharisees saw this, and said to him, "Look." Thy disciples are doing a thing which it is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Whereupon he said to them, Have you never read of what David did when he and his followers were hungry? How he went into the tabernacle and ate the loaves set out there before God, although neither he nor his followers nor anyone else except the priests had a right to eat them. Or again, have you not read in the law that the priests violate the Sabbath rest in the temple, and none blames them. And I tell you, there is one standing here who is greater than the temple. If you had found out what the words mean, it is mercy, not sacrifice, that wins favor with me, you would not have passed judgment on the guiltless. The Son of Man has even the Sabbath at his disposal. So he went on his way, and afterwards came into their synagogue. And here there was a man who had one of his hands withered, And they asked Jesus whether it was lawful to do a work of healing on the Sabbath, so that they might have a charge to bring against him. But he answered, Is there a man among you that has a sheep, who would not take hold of it and pull it out, if it should fall into a pit on the Sabbath? And of what value is a sheep compared to a man? There is nothing unlawful, then, in doing a work of mercy on the Sabbath day. And with that he said to the man, Stretch out thy hand and when he stretched it out, it was restored to him as sound as the other. Thereupon the Pharisees left the synagogue and plotted together to make away with him. Jesus was aware of this, and withdrew from the place. Great multitudes followed him, and he healed all their diseases. But he laid a strict charge on them that they should not make him known. This he did to fulfill the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my elect, with whom my soul is well pleased. I will lay my spirit upon him, and he shall proclaim judgment among the Gentiles. He will not protest and cry out. None shall hear his voice in the streets. He will not snap the stuff that is already crushed, or put out the wick that still smolders, until the time comes when he crowns his judgment with victory. And the Gentiles will put their trust in his name. Then they brought to him a man possessed, who was both blind and dumb, whom he cured, giving him both speech and sight. The multitudes were filled with amazement. Can this, they asked, be no other than the son of David? But the Pharisees said, when they heard of it, it is only through the power of Beelzebub, the prince of the devils, that he casts the devils out. Whereupon Jesus, who knew what was in their thoughts, said to them, No kingdom can be at war with itself without being laid waste. No city or household that is at war with itself can stand firm. If it is Satan who casts Satan out, then Satan is at war with himself. And how is his kingdom to stand firm? Again, if it is through Beelzebub that I cast out devils, by what means do your own sons cast them out? It is for these, then, to pronounce judgment on you. But if, when I cast out devils, I do through the Spirit of God then it must be that the kingdom of God has already appeared among you how is anyone to gain entrance into the house of a strong man and plunder his goods without first making the strong man his prisoner then he can plunder his house at will he who is not with me is against me he who does not gather his store with me scatters it abroad and now I tell you this there is pardon for all the other sins and blasphemies of men, but not for blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. There is no one who blasphemes against the Son of Man but may find forgiveness. But for him who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, there is no forgiveness, either in this world or in the world to come. Monsignor Knox tells us in a footnote that blasphemy against the Holy Spirit is most commonly understood as resisting the known truth. I go back to the text. Either tell us that the tree is sound and its fruit sound, or that the tree is withered and its fruit withered. The test of the tree is in its fruit. Brood of vipers, how could you speak to good effect, wicked as you are? It is from the heart's overflow that the mouth speaks. A good man utters good words from his store of goodness. The wicked man from his store of wickedness, can utter nothing but what is evil. And I say this, that in the day of judgment, men will be brought to account for every thoughtless word they have spoken. Thy words will be matter to acquit or matter to condemn thee. Hereupon some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Master, may we see a sign from thee? He answered them, The generation that asks for a sign is a wicked and unfaithful generation. The only sign that will be given it is the sign of the prophet Jonas. Jonas was three days and three nights in the belly of the sea beast, and the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up with this generation at the day of judgment, and will leave it without excuse, for they did penance when Jonas preached to them. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south will rise up with this generation at the day of judgment, and will leave it without excuse, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. The unclean spirit, which has possessed a man, and then goes out of him, walks about the desert looking for a resting place, and finds none. And it says, I will go back to my own dwelling from which I came out. And it comes back to find that dwelling empty and swept out and neatly set in order. Thereupon it goes away and brings in seven other spirits more wicked than itself to bear it company, and together they enter in and settle down there, so that the last state of that man is worse than the first. So it shall fare with this wicked generation." And in Knox puts a note here which I'll read out. Our Lord perhaps meant that the Jews who had received the law and yet resisted the gospel were in an even more unhappy state than the Gentiles who had hitherto found no remedy against sin. He seems to warn us that the soul which has received great graces and does not correspond with them will make the worst shipwreck of its fortunes. We go back to the text. While he was still speaking to the multitude, it chanced that his mother and his brethren were standing without, desiring speech with him. And someone told him, Here are thy mother and thy brethren standing without, looking for thee. But he made answer to the man that brought him the news, Who is a mother, who are brethren to me? Then he stretched out his hand towards his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brethren. If anyone does the will of my Father who is in heaven, He is my brother and sister and mother. Mancini Knox puts another note here. He says, Since it is impossible for anyone who holds the Catholic tradition to suppose that our Lord had brothers by blood, the most common opinion is that these brethren were his cousins, a relationship for which the Jews had no separate name. Our Lord here warns his fellow countrymen that they will not be reckoned as his brothers, unless they obey the will of their father and his. And I'll add my own little comment, if I may, about the fact that Our Lady had no other children. The fact that after the death of Jesus on Calvary, she went to live with St. John, proves that she was a widow with no other children. If St. Joseph had been alive, or if she had had other children than Our Lord, it would have been socially impossible to go and live in the home of someone who was not even a relative. That day, leaving the house, Jesus had sat down by the seashore, and great multitudes gathered about him so that he went on board a ship and sat there instead, while the whole multitude remained standing on the beach. And he spoke to them long in parables. Here, he began, is the sower gone out to sow, and as he sowed, there were grains that fell beside the path, so that all the birds came and ate them up. And others fell on rocky land, where the soil was shallow. They sprang up all at once, because they had not sunk deep in the ground. But as soon as the sun rose, they were parched. They had taken no root, and so they withered away. Some fell among briars, so that the briars grew up and smothered them. But others fell where the soil was good. And these yielded a harvest, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Listen, you that have ears to hear with. And his disciples came to him and said, Why dost thou speak to them in parables? Because, he answered, it is granted to you to understand the secrets of God's kingdom, but not to these others. If a man is rich, gifts will be made to him, and his riches will abound. If he is poor, even the little he has will be taken from him. And if I talk to them in parables, it's because though they have eyes, they cannot see, and though they have ears, they cannot hear or understand. Indeed, in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled You will listen and listen, but for you there's no understanding. You will watch and watch, but for you there's no perceiving. The heart of this people has become dull, their ears are slow to listen. And they keep their eyes shut so that they may never see with those eyes or hear with those ears or understand with that heart and turn back to me and win healing from me. Mancino Knox has put a footnote here. He says, Our Lord seems to tone down the language of this prophecy. Perhaps for fear it might seem that the failure of the Jews to grasp his message was due to some arbitrary decree of heaven not to their own fault. I go back to the text. But blessed are your eyes, for they have sight. Blessed are your ears, for they have hearing. And believe me, there have been many prophets and just men who have longed to see what you see and never saw it, to hear what you hear and never heard it. The parable of the sower, then, is for your hearing. Wherever a man hears the word by which the kingdom is preached, but does not grasp it, the evil one comes and carries off what was sown in his heart. His was the wayside sowing. The man who took in the seed in rocky ground is the man who hears the word and at once entertains it gladly. But there is no root in him, and he does not last long. No sooner does tribulation or persecution arise over the word than his faith is shaken. And the man who took in the seed in the midst of briars Is the man who hears the word But allows the cares of this world And the false charms of riches To stifle it So that it remains fruitless Whereas the man who took in the seed in good soil Is the man who both hears and grasps it Such men are fruitful One grain yielding a hundredfold One sixtyfold One thirtyfold And he put before them another parable Here is an image, he said, of the kingdom of heaven There was a man who sowed his field with clean seed But while all the world was asleep An enemy of his came and scattered tares among the wheat And was gone So when the blade had sprung up and come into ear The tares too came to light And the farmer's men went to him and said Sir, was it not clean seed thou didst sow in thy field? How comes it then that there are tares in it? He said, An enemy has done it. And his men asked him, Wouldst thou then have us go and gather them up? But he said, No, or perhaps while you are gathering the tares, you will root up the wheat with them. Leave them to grow side by side till harvest, and when harvest time comes, I will give word to the reapers, gather up the tares first, and tie them in bundles to be burnt, and store the wheat in my barn. Then he put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven, he said, is like a grain of mustard seed that a man has taken and sowed in his ground. Of all seeds, none is so little, but when it grows up, it is greater than any garden herb. It grows into a tree, so that all the birds come and settle in its branches. And he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman has taken and buried away in three measures of meal, enough to leaven the whole batch. All this Jesus said to the multitude in parables, and would say it in parables only, so fulfilling the words which were spoken by the prophet, I will speak my mind in parables, I will give utterance to things which have been kept secret from the beginning of the world. Then he sent the multitude away, and went back into the house. There his disciples came to him and said, "'Explain to us the parable of the tares in the field.' "'He answered, "'It is the Son of Man that sows the good seed. "'The field is the world, "'and the sons of the kingdom are the good seed. "'The sons of the wicked one are the tares. "'The enemy that sowed them is the devil, "'and the end of the world is the harvest. "'It is reaped by the angels. "'The tares were gathered together and burnt in the fire.' and so it will be when the world is brought to an end. The Son of Man will give charge to his angels, and they will gather up all that gives offence in his kingdom, all those who do wickedly in it, and will cast them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then, at last, the just will shine out, clear as the sun, in their Father's kingdom. Listen, you that have ears to hear with. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. A man has found it and hidden it again, and now, for the joy it gives him, is going home to sell all that he has and buy that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is as if a trader were looking for rare pearls, and now he has found one pearl of great cost, and has sold all that he had and bought it. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was cast into the sea and enclosed fish of every kind at once. When it was full, the fishermen drew it up and sat down on the beach where they stored away all that was worth keeping in their buckets and threw the useless kind away. So it will be when the world is brought to an end. The angels will go out and separate the wicked from the just and will cast them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Have you grasped all this? Yes, Lord, they said to him. And he said to them, Every scholar then, whose learning is of the kingdom of heaven, must be like a rich man, who knows how to bring both new and old things out of his treasure house. Afterwards, when he had finished these parables, Jesus journeyed on and came to his own countryside, where he taught them in their synagogue so that they said in astonishment, How did he come by this wisdom and these strange powers? Is not this the carpenter's son, whose mother's called Mary, and his brethren James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And do not his sisters, all of them, live near us? How is it that all this has come to him, and they had no confidence in him? But Jesus told them, It is only in his own country, in his own home, that a prophet goes unhonored. Nor did he do many miracles there because of their unbelief. At this time, Herod, who ruled in that quarter, heard what was told of Jesus. And he said to his men, This is no other than John the Baptist. He has risen from the dead, and that is why these powers are active in him. For Herod himself had arrested John and put him in chains and thrown him into prison for love of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John told him, It is wrong for thee to take her. And he would willingly have put him to death, but was prevented by fear of the multitude who looked upon John as a prophet. Then, at the celebration of Herod's birthday, the daughter of Herodias danced before them all, and Herod was so well pleased with her that he promised, on oath, to grant her whatever request she made. She had been prompted beforehand by her mother. "'Give me,' she said, "'the head of John the Baptist. Give it me here on a dish.' And the king was stricken with remorse. But out of respect for his oath, and for those who sat with him at table, he granted her request, and so had John beheaded in his prison. His head was brought in on a dish, and given to the girl, and she carried it to her mother but his disciples gained access to the body which they took away and buried and came to tell the news to Jesus Jesus, when he'd heard of it took ship from the place where he was and withdrew into desert country to be alone but the multitudes from the towns heard of it and followed him there by land so when he disembarked he found a great multitude there and he took pity on them and healed those who were sick and now it was evening and his disciples came to him and said this is a lonely place and it is past the accustomed hour give the multitudes leave to go into the villages and buy themselves food there but Jesus told them there is no need for them to go away it is for you to give them food to eat they answered we have nothing with us except five loaves and two fishes bring them to me here he said Then he told the multitudes to sit down on the grass, and when the five loaves and the two fishes were brought to him, he looked up to heaven, blessed, and broke the loaves, and gave them to his disciples, and the disciples gave them to the multitude. All ate and had enough, and when they picked up what was left of the broken pieces, they filled twelve baskets with them. About five thousand men had eaten, not reckoning women and children. As soon as this was done, he prevailed upon his disciples to take ship and cross to the other side before him, leaving him to send the multitudes home. When he had finished sending them home, he went up by himself onto the hillside to pray there. Twilight had come, and he remained there alone. Meanwhile, the ship was already halfway across the sea, hard put to it by the waves, for the wind was against them. And then, when the night had reached his fourth quarter, Jesus came to them, walking on the sea. When they saw him walking on the sea, the disciples were terrified. They said, It's an apparition, and cried out for fear. But all at once Jesus spoke to them. Take courage, he said. It is myself. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is thyself, bid me come to thee over the water. He said, Come. And Peter let himself down out of the ship, and walked over the water to reach Jesus. Then, seeing how strong the wind was, he lost courage and began to sink. Whereupon he cried aloud, Lord, save me. And Jesus at once stretched out his hand and caught hold of him, saying to him, Why didst thou hesitate, man of little faith? So they went on board the ship, and thereupon the wind dropped. And the ship's crew came and said, falling at his feet, Thou art indeed the Son of God. When they had crossed, they reached the country of Ganessa, And the inhabitants of that place, recognizing him, sent into all the country round, and brought to him all those who were in affliction. And they entreated him that they might be allowed to touch even the hem of his garments. And everyone who touched him was restored to health. After this, Jesus was approached by the scribes and Pharisees from Jerusalem, who asked, Why is it that thy disciples violate the traditions of our ancestors? They do not wash their hands when they eat. He answered them, Why is it that you yourselves violate the commandments of God with your traditions? God has said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and again, He who curses his father or mother dies without hope of reprieve, Whereas you say, if a man says to his father or mother, the offering which I made to God is all the advantage you will have from me, then father or mother can get no service from him. So by these traditions of yours, you have made God's law ineffectual. You hypocrites! It was a true prophecy Isaiah made of you when he said, This people does me honor with his lips, but its heart is far from me. Their worship of me is vain, for the doctrines they teach are the commandments of men. Then he gathered the multitude about him and said to them, Listen to this, and grasp what it means. It's not what goes into a man's mouth that makes him unclean. What makes a man unclean is what comes out of his mouth. Thereupon his disciples came and said to him, Dost thou know that the Pharisees, when they heard thy saying, Took it amiss? He answered, There is no plant which my heavenly Father has not planted, but will be rooted up. Let them say what they will, they are blind men leading the blind, and when one blind man leads another, they will fall into the ditch together. Peter answered him, Explain this parable to us. What, he said, Are you still without wits? Do you not observe that any uncleanness, which finds its way into a man's mouth, travels down into his belly, and so is cast into the sewer, whereas all that comes out of his mouth comes from the heart, and it's that which makes a man unclean. It's from the heart that his wicked designs come, his sins of murder, adultery, fornication, theft, perjury, and blasphemy. It's these make a man unclean. He is not made unclean by eating without washing his hands. After this, Jesus left those parts and withdrew into the neighborhood of Tyre and Sidon. And here a woman, a Canaanite by birth, who came from that country, cried aloud, Have pity on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is cruelly troubled by an evil spirit. He gave her no word in answer. But his disciples came to him and pleaded with him, Rid us of her, they said. She's following us with her cries. And he answered, My errand is only to the lost sheep that are of the house of Israel. Then the woman came up and said, falling at his feet, Lord, help me. He answered, It's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ah, yes, Lord, she said, the dogs feed on the crumbs that fall from their master's table. And at that, Jesus answered her, Woman, for this great faith of thine, let thy will be granted. And from that hour her daughter was cured. Then Jesus left that country, and passed along the Sea of Galilee, and went up into the mountain, and sat down there. Great multitudes came to him, bringing with them the lame, the blind, the deaf, the crippled, and many besides, whom they laid at his feet, and he healed them. So that the multitudes were amazed to see the deaf hear, the cripples become whole, the lame walk, and the blind receive sight. And they praised the God of Israel for it. But now Jesus called his disciples and said, I am moved with pity for the multitude. It is three days now since they have been in attendance on me, and they have nothing to eat. I must not send them away fasting, or perhaps they will grow faint on their journey. His disciples said to him, Where could we find loaves enough in a desert to feed such a multitude? And Jesus asked them, How many loaves have you? Seven, they said, and a few small fishes. Thereupon he bade the multitude sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes with them, and when he had blessed and broken, he gave these to his disciples, and his disciples to the multitude. And they all ate and had enough. And they took up what was left of the broken pieces, seven hampers full. Four thousand men had eaten, not reckoning women and children. And so, taking leave of the multitude, he went on board the ship and crossed to the region of magedon And the Pharisees and Sadducees came and put him to the test asking him to show them a sign from heaven. But he answered them, When evening comes, you say, It is fair weather, the sky is red. Or at sunrise, there will be a storm today, the sky is red and lowering. You know then how to read the face of heaven. Can you not read the signs of appointed times? It's a wicked and unfaithful generation that asks for a sign. The only sign that will be given to it is the sign of the prophet Jonas. And so he went on his way and left them. And they crossed the sea, and his disciples found that they had forgotten to take bread with them. So when Jesus said to them, See that you have nothing to do with the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were anxious in their minds, We have brought no bread, they said. Jesus knew it, and said to them, Men of little faith, What is this anxiety in your minds, that you brought no bread with you? Have you no know wits even now? Or have you forgotten the five thousand and their five loaves and the number of baskets you filled? Or the four thousand and their seven loaves and the number of hampers you filled then? How could you suppose that I was thinking of bread when I said, Have nothing to do with the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Then they understood that his warning was against the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees, not against leavened bread. Then Jesus came into the neighborhood of Caesarea Philippi. And there he asked his disciples, What do men say of the Son of Man? Who do they think he is? Some say John the Baptist, they told him, others Elias, others again Jeremy, or one of the prophets. Jesus said to them, And what of you? Who do you say that I am? Then Simon Peter answered, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed art thou, Simon, son of Jonah. It is not flesh and blood, it is my Father in heaven that has revealed this to thee. And I tell thee this in my turn, that thou art Peter, and it is upon this rock that I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give to thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly forbade them to tell any man that he, Jesus, was the Christ. From that time onwards, Jesus began to make it known to his disciples that he must go up to Jerusalem, and there, with much ill usage from the chief priests and elders and scribes, must be put to death and rise again on the third day. Whereupon Peter, drawing him to his side, began remonstrating with him. Never, Lord, he said. No such thing shall befall thee. At which he turned round and said to Peter, Back, Satan, thou art a stone in my path. For these thoughts of thine are man's, not God's. Jesus also said to his disciples, If any man has a mind to come my way, let him renounce himself and take up his cross and follow me. The man who tries to save his life shall lose it. It's the man who loses his life for my sake that will secure it. How is a man the better for it if he gains the whole world at the cost of losing his own soul? For a man's soul, what price could be high enough? The Son of Man will come hereafter in his Father's glory with his angels about him, and he will recompense everyone then according to his works. Believe me, there are those standing here who will not taste of death before they have seen the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Six days afterwards, Jesus took Peter and James and his brother John with him, and led them up onto a high mountain where they were alone. And he was transfigured in their presence, his face shining like the sun, and his garments becoming white as snow. And all at once they had sight of Moses and Elias conversing with him. Then Peter said aloud to Jesus, Lord, it is well that we should be here. If it pleases Thee, let us make three arbors in this place, one for Thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Even before he had finished speaking, a shining cloud overshadowed them. And now there was a voice which said to them out of the cloud, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. To him then listen. The disciples, when they heard it, fell on their faces, overcome with fear. But Jesus came near and roused them with his touch. Arise, he said, do not be afraid. And they lifted up their eyes and saw no man there but Jesus only. And as they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus warned them, Do not tell anybody of what you have seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. And his disciples asked him, Tell us, why is it? that the scribes say Elias must come before Christ. He answered, Elias must needs come and restore all things as they were. But I tell you this, that Elias has come already, and they did not recognize him, but misused him at their pleasure, just as the Son of Man is to suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he had been speaking to them of John the Baptist. When they reached the multitude, A man came up and knelt before him. Lord, he said, have pity on my son, who is a lunatic and in great affliction. He will often throw himself into the fire and often into water. I brought him here to thy disciples, but they have not been able to cure him. Jesus answered, Ah, faithless and misguided generation, how long must I be with you? How long must I bear with you? Bring him here before me. And Jesus checked him with a word, and the devil came out of him. And from that hour the boy was cured. Afterwards, when they were alone, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Why was it that we could not cast it out? Jesus said to them, Because you had no faith. I promise you, if you have faith, though it be as a grain of mustard seed. You have only to say to this mountain, Remove from this place to that, and it will Remove. Nothing will be impossible to you. But there is no way of casting out such spirits as this except by prayer and fasting. While they were still together in Galilee, Jesus told them, The Son of Man is to be given up into the hands of men. They will put him to death, and he will rise again on the third day. And they were overcome with sorrow. And when they reached Cephanium... The collectors of the temple pence approached Peter and said, Does not your master pay the temple pence? Yes, he said. Soon afterwards he came into the house, and Jesus forestalled him. Simon, he said, tell us what thou thinkest. On whom do earthly kings impose customs and taxes? On their own sons, or on strangers? On strangers, Peter told him. And Jesus said to them, Why then, the children go free? But we will not hurt their consciences. Go down to the sea and cast thy hook. Take out the first fish thou drawest up, and when thou hast opened its mouth, thou wilt find a silver coin there. With this make payment to them for me and for thyself. The disciples came to Jesus at this time and said, Tell us who is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whereupon Jesus called to his side a little child, to whom he gave a place in the midst of them, and said, Believe me, unless you become like little children again, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. He is greatest in the kingdom of heaven, who will abase himself like this little child. He who gives welcome to such a child as this in my name gives welcome to me. And if anyone has the conscience of one of these little ones that believe in me, He had better have been drowned in the depths of the sea with a millstone hung about his neck. Woe to the world for the hurt done to consciences. It must needs be that such hurt should come, but woe to the man through whom it comes. If thy hand or thy foot is an occasion of falling to thee, cut it off and cast it away from thee. Better for thee to enter into life crippled or lame than to have two hands or two feet when thou art cast into eternal fire and if thy eye is an occasion of falling to thee pluck it out and cast it away from thee better for thee to enter into life with one eye than to have two eyes when thou art cast into the fires of hell see to it that you do not treat one of these little ones with contempt I tell you they have angels of their own in heaven that behold the face of my heavenly father continually The Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Tell me this, if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave those ninety-nine others on the mountainside, and go out to look for the one that is straying? And if by good fortune he finds it, he rejoices more, believe me, over that one, than over the ninety-nine which never strayed from him. So too, it is not your heavenly Father's pleasure that one of these little ones should be lost. If thy brother does thee wrong, go at once and tax him with it, as a private matter between thee and him. And so, if he will listen to thee, thou hast won thy brother. If he will not listen to thee, take with thee one or two more, that the whole matter may be certified by the voice of two or three witnesses. If he will not listen to them, then speak of it to the church. And if he will not even listen to the church, Then count him all one with the heathen and the publican. I promise you, all that you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and all that you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And moreover I tell you, that if two of you agree over any request that you make on earth, it will be granted them by my Father who is in heaven. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Then Peter came to him and asked, Lord, how often must I see my brother do me wrong and still forgive him? As much as seven times? Jesus said to him, I tell thee to forgive not seven wrongs, but seventy times seven. Here is an image of the kingdom of heaven. There was a king who resolved to enter into a reckoning with his servants, and had scarcely begun the reckoning when one was brought before him who was ten thousand talents in his debt. He had no means of making payment, whereupon his master gave orders that he should be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and so the debt should be paid. With that the servant fell at his feet and said, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee in full. And his master, moved with pity for him, let the servant go, and discharged him of his debt. So the servant went out and met with a fellow-servant of his, who owed him a hundred pieces of silver whereupon he caught hold of him and took him by the throat and said, Pay me all thou owest me. His fellow servant went down on his knees in entreaty. Have patience with me, he said, and I will pay thee in full. But the other refused. He went away and committed him to prison for such time as the debt was unpaid. The rest of the servants were full of indignation when they saw this done and went in to tell their master what had happened. And so he was summoned by his master, who said to him, I remitted all that debt of thine, thou wicked servant, at thine entreaty. Was it not thy duty to have mercy on thy fellow servant, as I had mercy on thee? And his master, in anger, gave him over to be tortured until the debt was paid. It is thus that my heavenly Father will deal with you, if brother does not forgive brother with all his heart. Afterwards, when he had finished saying all this, Jesus removed from Galilee and came into that part of Judea which lies beyond the Jordan. Great multitudes went with him, and he healed them there. Then the Pharisees came to him and put him to the test by asking, Is it right for a man to put away his wife for whatever cause? He answered, Have you never read how he who created them, when they first came to be, created them male and female, and how he said, A man, therefore, will leave his father and mother, and will cling to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. And so they are no longer two, they are one flesh. What God then has joined, let not man put asunder. Why, then, they said, did Moses enjoin that a man might give his wife a writ of separation, and then he might put her away? He told them, It was to suit your hard hearts, that Moses allowed you to put your wives away. It was not so at the beginning of things. And I tell you, that he who puts away his wife, not for any unfaithfulness of hers, and so marries another, commits adultery. And he too commits adultery, who marries her after she has been put away. At this his disciples said to him, If the case stands so between man and wife, it is better not to marry at all. That conclusion, he said, cannot be taken in by everybody, but only by those who have the gift. There are some eunuchs who are so born from the mother's womb, some were made so by men, and some have made themselves so for love of the kingdom of heaven. Take this in, you whose hearts are large enough for it. Then they brought children to him, so that he might lay his hands on them in prayer. And his disciples rebuked them for it. But Jesus said, Let the children be... Do not keep them back from me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so he laid his hands on them, and went on his way. And now a man came to him and said, Master, who art so good, what good must I do to win eternal life? He said to him, Why dost thou come to me to ask of goodness? God is good, and he only. If thou hast a mind to enter into life, keep the commandments. Which commandments, he asked. Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery, Thou shalt not steal, Thou shalt not bear false witness, Honour thy father and thy mother, And thou shalt love thy neighbour as thyself. I have kept all these, the young man told him, Ever since I grew up. Where is it that I am still wanting? Jesus said to him, If thou hast a mind to be perfect, go home, and sell all that belongs to thee give it to the poor and so the treasure thou hast shall be in heaven then come back and follow me when he heard this the young man went away sad at heart for he had great possessions Mancina Knox puts a footnote here he says our Lord may simply have been testing the young man's resolution or he may have been calling him to the special vocation of poverty he does not make the demand of all as we see in his treatment of Zacchaeus. I go back to the text. And Jesus said to his disciples, Believe me, a rich man will not enter God's kingdom easily. And once again I tell you, it's easier for a camel to pass through a needle's eye than for a man to enter the kingdom of heaven when he's rich. At hearing this, the disciples were thrown into great bewilderment. Why then, they asked, Who can be saved? Jesus fastened his eyes on them and said to them, Such a thing is impossible to man's powers, but to God all things are possible. Hereupon Peter took occasion to say, And what of us who forsaken all and followed thee? What is left for us? Jesus said to them, I promise you, in the new birth, when the Son of Man sits on the throne of his glory, you also shall sit there on twelve thrones, you who have followed me, and shall be judges over the twelve tribes of Israel. And every man that has forsaken home, or brothers or sisters, or father or mother, or wife or children, or lands for my name's sake, shall receive his reward a hundredfold, and obtain everlasting life. But many will be first that were last, and last that were first. Here is an image of the kingdom of heaven. A rich man went out at daybreak to hire laborers for work in his vineyard. And when he sent them out in his vineyard, he agreed with the laborers on a silver piece for the day's wages. About the third hour he came out again and found others standing idle in the marketplace. And to these also, he said, away with you to the vineyard like the others. You shall have whatever payment is fair. Away they went and at noon and once more at the ninth hour he came out and did the like. Yet he found others standing there when he came out at the eleventh hour. How is it, he said to them, that you are standing here and have done nothing all the day? They told him, It is because nobody has hired us. And he said, Away with you to the vineyard like the rest. And now it was evening, and the owner of the vineyard said to his bailiff, Send for the workmen and pay them their wages beginning with the last comers and going back to the first. And so the men who were hired about the eleventh hour came forward, and each was paid a silver piece. So that when the others came, who were hired first, they hoped to receive more, but they were paid a silver piece each like their fellows. And they were indignant with the rich man over their pay. Here are these late comers, they said, who have worked but one hour, and the house made no difference between them and us, have borne the day's burden and the heat. But he answered one of them thus, My friend, I am not doing thee a wrong. Did we not agree on a silver piece for thy wages? Take what is thy due, and away with thee. It is my pleasure to give as much to this late comer as to thee. Am I not free to use my money as I will? Must thou give me sour looks, because I am generous? So it is, that they shall be first who are last, and they shall be last who are first. Many are called, but few are chosen. And now Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, and he took his twelve disciples aside on the way and warned them, Now we are going up to Jerusalem, and there the Son of Man will be given up into the hands of the chief priests and scribes, who will condemn him to death. And these will give him up into the hands of the Gentiles to be mocked and scourged and crucified. But on the third day he will rise again. Thereupon the mother of the sons of Zebedee brought them to him, falling on her knees to make a request of him. And when he asked her, What is thy will? She said to him, Here are my two sons. Grant that in thy kingdom one may take his place on thy right, and the other on thy left. But Jesus answered, You do not know what it is you ask. Have you strength to drink of the cup I am to drink of? They said, We have. And he told them, You shall indeed drink of my cup, but a place on my right hand or my left is not mine to give. It is for those for whom my Father has destined it. The ten others were angry with the two brethren when they heard it. But Jesus called them to him, and said, You know that among the Gentiles, those who bear rule lord it over them, and great men vaunt their power over them. With you, it must be otherwise. Whoever would be a great man among you must be your servant, and whoever has a mind to be first among you must be your slave. So it is that the Son of Man did not come to have service done him, he came to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for the lives of many when they were leaving Jericho there was a great multitude that followed him and there by the roadside sat two blind folk who heard of Jesus passing by and cried aloud Lord, Son of David, have pity on us the multitude rebuked them bidding them be silent but they cried out all the more Son of David, Lord, have pity on us then Jesus stopped and called them to him What would you have me do for you? he asked. Lord, they said to him, we would have our eyes opened. And Jesus, moved with compassion, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed after him. When they were near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, which is close to Mount Olivet, Jesus sent two of his disciples on an errand. Go into the village that faces you, he told them, and the first thing you will find there will be a she as tethered and a foal at her side. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone speaks to you about it, tell him, The Lord has need of them, and he will let you have them without more ado. All this was so ordained, to fulfil the word spoken by the prophet, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king is coming to thee, humbly, riding on an ass, on a colt, whose mother has borne the yoke. The disciples went and did as Jesus told them. They brought the she-ass and its colt, and saddled them with their garments, and bade Jesus mount. Most of the multitude spread their garments along the way, while others strewed the way with branches cut down from the trees. And the multitude that went before him and that followed after him cried aloud, Hosanna for the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the heaven above. When he reached Jerusalem, the whole city was in a stir. Who is this? they asked. And the multitude answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out from it All those who sold and bought there, and overthrew the tables of the bankers, and the chairs of the pigeon sellers. It is written, he told them, My house shall be known for a house of prayer, and you have made it into a den of thieves. And there were blind and lame men who came up to him in the temple, and he healed them there. The chief priests and scribes saw the miracles which he did, and the boys that cried aloud in the temple, Hosanna for the Son of David and they were greatly angered at it. "'Dost thou hear what these are saying?' they asked. "'Yes,' Jesus said to them. "'But have you never read the words, "'Thou hast made the lips of children, of infants at the breast, vocal with praise?' "'So he left them, and went out of the city to Bethany, where he made his lodging. "'As he was returning to the city at daybreak, he was hungry.' And seeing a fig tree by the roadside, he went up to it and found nothing but leaves on it. And he said to it, Let no fruit ever grow on thee hereafter, whereupon the fig tree withered away. Messina Knox puts a footnote here, which I'll read out. He says, St. Mark tells us that it was not yet the season for figs. Our Lord then did not expect to satisfy his hunger. He knew that the tree was barren, even of unripe fruit, and used it as a parable of the unfaithfulness which he found in the Jewish people. We go back to the text. His disciples were amazed when they saw it. How suddenly it has withered away, they said. Jesus answered them, I promise you, if you have faith and do not hesitate, you will be able to do more than I have done over the fig tree. If you say to this mountain, Remove and be cast into the sea, it will come about. If you will only believe, every gift you ask for in your prayer will be granted. Afterwards, he came into the temple, and while he was teaching there, the chief priests and elders approached him, asking, What is the authority by which thou doest these things, and who gave thee this authority? Jesus answered them, I too have a question to ask. If you can tell me the answer, I will tell you in return what is the authority by which I do these things. Whence did John's baptism come, from heaven or from men? Whereupon they cast about in their minds. If we tell him it was from heaven, they said, he will ask us, then why did you not believe him? And if we say it was from men, we have reason to be afraid of the people. They all look upon John as a prophet. And they answered Jesus, we cannot tell. "'He in his turn said, "'And you will not learn from me "'what is the authority by which I do these things. "'But tell me what you think. "'There was a man who had two sons, "'and when he went up to the first and said, "'Away with thee, my son, and work in my vineyard today,' "'he answered, "'Not I,' "'but he relented afterwards and went. "'Then he went up to the other and said the like to him, "'and his answer was, "'I will, sir,' but he did not go.' Which of the two carried out his father's will? The first, they said. And Jesus said to them, Believe me, the publicans and the harlots are further on the road to God's kingdom than you. John came among you, following all due observance, but could win no belief from you? The publicans believed him, and the harlots. But even when you saw that, you would not relent and believe him. Listen to another parable. There was a rich man who planted a vineyard he walled it in and dug a wine press and built a tower in it and then let it out to some vine-dressers while he went on his travels when vintage time drew near he sent his own servants on an errand to the vine-dressers to claim his revenues whereupon the vine-dressers laid hands upon his servants one they beat one they killed outright one they stoned and he sent other servants on a second errand, more than he had sent at first, but they were used no better. After that he sent his own son to them. They will have reverence, he said, for my son. But when the vine-dressers found his son coming to them, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and seize upon the inheritance. And they laid hands on him, thrust him out from the vineyard, and killed him. And now, What will the owner of the vineyard do to those vine-dressers when he returns? They said, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and will let out the vineyard to other vine-dressers who will pay him his due when the season comes. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read those words in the Scriptures? The very stone which the builders rejected has become the chief stone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvellous in our eyes. I tell you then, that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you, and given to a people which yields the revenues that belong to it. As for the stone, when a man falls against it, he will break his bones. When it falls upon him, it will scatter him like chaff. The chief priests and the Pharisees saw clearly, when they heard his parables, that it was of themselves he was speaking, and would gladly have laid hands on him, but they were afraid of the people who looked upon him as a prophet. And Jesus once more spoke to them in parables. Here is an image, he said, of the kingdom of heaven. There was once a king who held a marriage feast for his son and sent out his servants with a summons to all those whom he had invited to the wedding, but they would not come. Then he sent other servants with a fresh summons, bidding them tell those who had been invited, By this I have prepared my feast, the oxen have been killed and the fatlings, all is ready now, come to the wedding. But still they paid no heed and went off on other errands, one to his farm in the country and another to his trading, and the rest laid hands upon his servants and insulted and killed them. The king fell into a rage when he heard of it. And sent out his troops to put those murderers to death and burn their city. After this, he said to his servants, "Here is the marriage feast already, and those who have been invited have proved unworthy of it. You must go out to the street corners and invite all whom you find there to the wedding." And his servants went out into the streets, where they mustered all they could find, rogues and honest men together. And so the wedding had its full tale of guests. But when the king came in to look at the company, he saw a man there who had no wedding garment on. My friend, he said, how didst thou come to be here without a wedding garment? And he made no reply. Whereupon the king said to his servants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him out into the darkness, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Many are called, but few are chosen. Mancino Knox puts in a footnote here. He says, Some have suggested that wedding garments were provided at the king's expense, but it is not certain that any such custom obtained. Like the foolish virgins, the man had neglected to make what preparations were in his power. It is the common opinion that the wedding garment represents charity. We go on with the text. After this, the Pharisees withdrew and plotted together to make him betray himself in his talk. And they sent their own disciples to him, with those who were of Herod's party, and said, Master, we know well that thou art sincere, and teachest in all sincerity the way of God, that thou holdest no one in awe, making no distinction between man and man. Tell us then, is it right to pay tribute to Caesar or not? Jesus saw their malice. Hypocrites, he said, Why do you thus put me to the test? Show me the coinage in which the tribute is paid. So they brought him a silver piece, and he asked them, Whose is this likeness? Whose name is inscribed on it? Caesar's, they said. Whereupon he answered, Why then, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And they went away and left him in peace, full of admiration at his words. On that day too, He was approached with a question by the Sadducees, men who say that there is no resurrection. Master, they said, Moses told us, if a man leaves no children when he dies, his brother shall marry the widow by right of kinship, and beget children in the dead brother's name. We had seven brothers once in our country, of whom the first died, a married man without issue, bequeathing his wife to the second. And the same befell the second brother, and then the third, and in the end all seven, the woman dying last of all. And now, when the dead rise again, which of the seven will be her husband, since she was wife to them all? Jesus answered them, You are wrong. You do not understand the Scriptures, or what is the power of God. When the dead rise again, there is no marrying and giving in marriage. They are as the angels in heaven are. But now, in the matter of the resurrection, did you never read what God himself said, I am the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Yet it is of living men, not of dead men, that He's God. This the multitude heard, and were amazed by his teaching. And now the Pharisees, hearing how he put the Sadducees to silence, met together. And one of them, a lawyer, put a question to try him. Master! Which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus said to him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy whole heart, and thy whole soul, and thy whole mind. This is the greatest of the commandments, and the first. And the second, it's like, is this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments all the law and the prophets depend. Then, while the Pharisees were still gathered about him, Jesus asked them, What is your opinion concerning Christ? Whose son is he to be? They told him, David's. How is it then, said he, that David is moved by the Spirit to call him master, when he says, The Lord said to my master, Sit on my right hand, while I make thy enemies a footstool under thy feet. David calls Christ his master. How can he be also his son? None could find a word to say in answer to him. Nor did anyone dare, after that day, to try him with further questions. After this, Jesus addressed himself to the multitudes and his disciples. The scribes and Pharisees, he said, have established themselves in the place from which Moses used to teach. Do what they tell you, then. Continue to observe what they tell you, but do not imitate their actions. They tell you one thing and do another. They fasten up packs too heavy to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders. They themselves will not stir a finger to lift them. They act always so as to be a mark for men's eyes. Boldly written are the texts they carry, and deep as the hem of their garments. Their heart is set on taking the chief places at table and the first seats in the synagogue, and having their hands kissed in the marketplace and being called rabbi among their fellow men. You are not to claim the title of rabbi. You have but one master, and you are all brethren alike. Nor are you to call any man on earth your father. You have but one father, and he is in heaven. Nor are you to be called teachers. You have one teacher, Christ. Among you, the greatest of all is to be the servant of all. The man who exalts himself will be humbled and the man who humbles himself will be exalted. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in men's faces. You will neither enter yourselves nor let others enter when they would. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that swallow up the property of widows under cover of your long prayers. Your sentence will be all the heavier for that. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that encompass sea and land to gain a single proselyte, and then make the proselyte twice as worthy of damnation as yourselves. Woe upon you, blind leaders, who say, If a man swears by the temple, it goes for nothing. If he swears by the gold in the temple, his oath stands. Blind fools, which is greater, the gold or the temple that consecrates the gold? And again, if a man swears by the altar, it goes for nothing. If he swears by the gift on the altar, his oath stands. Blind fools, which is greater, the gift or the altar that consecrates the gift? The man who swears by the altar swears at the same time by all that is on it. The man who swears by the temple swears at the same time by him who made it his dwelling place. And the man who swears by heaven "'swears not only by God's throne, "'but by him who sits upon it. "'Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, "'you hypocrites, "'that will reward to God his tithe, "'though it be of mint or dill or cumin, "'and have forgotten the weightier commandments of the law, "'justice, mercy and honour. "'You did ill to forget one duty "'while you performed the other. "'You blind leaders "'that have a strainer for the gnat.' And then swallow the camel. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that scour the outward part of cup and dish, while all within is running with avarice and incontinence. Scar the inside of cup and dish first, thou blind Pharisee, that so the outside too may become clean. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that are like whitened sepulchres fair in outward show, while they're full of dead men's bones and all manner of corruption within. You, too, seem exact over your duties outwardly to men's eyes, while there's nothing within but hypocrisy and iniquity. Woe upon you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites that build up the tombs of the prophets and engrave the monuments of the just! If we'd lived in our fathers' times, you say, We will not have taken part in murdering the prophets. Why, then, you bear witness of your own ancestry. It was your fathers who slaughtered the prophets. It is for you to complete your father's reckoning. Serpents that you are, brood of vipers, how should you escape from their ward of hell? And now, behold, I am sending prophets and wise men and men of learning to preach to you. Some of them you will put to death and crucify. Some you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city, so that you will make yourselves answerable for all the blood of just men that is shed on the earth, from the blood of the just Abel to the blood of Zacharias, the son of Barachias, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Believe me, this generation shall be held answerable for all of it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, still murdering the prophets and stoning the messengers that are sent to thee, How often have I been ready to gather thy children together, as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and thou didst refuse it. Behold, your house is left to you, a house uninhabited. Believe me, you shall see nothing of me henceforward, until the time comes when you will be saying, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Then Jesus left the temple and was going on his way when his disciples came up to show him the view of the temple building. Do you see all this? he said to them. Believe me, there will not be a stone left on another in this place. It will all be thrown down. Afterwards, while he was sitting down on Mount Olivet, the disciples came to him privately and said, Tell us, when will this be, and what sign will be given of thy coming and of the world being brought to an end? And if I may, I'll put in a word here myself. The Apostles are asking our Lord about two things, the destruction of Jerusalem and the end of the world. And our Lord, in his reply, does not always distinguish clearly between the two events, perhaps because the one was a foreshadowing of the other. And so this chapter we're going to hear is treating of two different matters, rather like having two exposures on a single bit of film. But it doesn't really matter, because the lesson is the same either way. Namely, it's only eternity that counts, and we must so live as to be always ready for the Lord's coming. I'll go on now with the text. Jesus answered them, Take care that you do not allow anyone to deceive you. Many will come making use of my name. They will say, I am Christ, and many will be deceived by it. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it that you are not disturbed in mind. Such things must happen, but the end will not come yet. Nation will rise in arms against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there will be plagues and famines and earthquakes in this region or that. But all this is but the beginning of travail. In those days, men will give you up to persecution and will put you to death All the world will be hating you because you bear my name. Whereupon many will lose heart, will betray, and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise, and many will be deceived by them. And the charity of most men will grow cold, as they see wickedness abound everywhere. But that man will be saved who endures to the last. This gospel of the kingdom must first be preached all over the world so that all nations may hear the truth only after that will the end come and now when you see that which the prophet daniel called the abomination of desolation set up in the holy place let him who reads this recognize what it means then those who are in Judea must take refuge in the mountains not going down to carry away anything from the house if they are on the house top not going back to pick up a cloak if they are in the fields It will go hard with women who are with child or who have children at the breast in those days. And you must pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath day. For there will be distress then such as not been since the beginning of the world and can never be again. There would have been no hope left for any human creature if the number of those days had not been cut short. But those days will be cut short for the sake of the elect. At such a time, if a man tells you, See, here is Christ, or see, he is there, do not believe him. There will be false Christs and false prophets who will rise up and show great signs and wonders, so that if it were possible, even the elect would be deceived. Mark well, I have given you warning of it. If they tell you then, See, he is here in the desert, do not stir abroad. If they tell you, See, he is there in hidden places, do not believe them. When the Son of Man comes, it will be like the lightning that springs up from the east and flashes across to the west. It is where the corpse lies that the eagles will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will refuse her light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will rock. And then the sign of the Son of Man will be seen in heaven. Then it is that all the tribes of the land will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming upon the clouds of heaven with great power and glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud blast of the trumpet to gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. The fig tree will teach you a parable. When his branch grows supple and begins to put out leaves, You know that summer is near. So you, when you see all this come about, are to know that it is near at your very doors. Believe me, this generation will not have passed before all this is accomplished. Though heaven and earth should pass away, my words will stand. But as for that day and that hour you speak of, they are known to none, not even to the angels in heaven. Only the Father knows them. When the Son of Man comes... All will be as it was in the days of Noah. In those days before the flood, they went on eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the time when Noah entered the ark, and they were taken unawares when the flood came and drowned them all. So it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. One man taken, one left, as they work together in the fields. One woman taken, one left, as they grind together at the mill. You must be on the watch then, since you do not know the hour of your Lord's coming. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and not allowed his house to be broken open. And you too must stand ready. The Son of Man will come at an hour when you are not expecting him. Which of you, then, is a faithful and wise servant, one whom his master will entrust with the care of the household, to give them their food at the appointed time. Blessed is that servant who is found doing this when his Lord comes. I promise you, he will give him charge of all his goods. But if that servant plays him false and says in his heart, My Lord is long in coming, and so falls to beating his fellow servants, to eating and drinking with the drunkards, then on some day when he expects nothing, at an hour when he is all unaware, his Lord will come and will cut him off and assign him his portion with the hypocrites, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When that day comes, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins, who went to bring the bridegroom and his bride home, taking their lamps with them. Five of these were foolish, and five were wise. The five foolish... When they took their lamps, did not provide themselves with oil, but those who were wise took oil in the vessels they carried, as well as the lamps. The bridegroom was long in coming, so that they all grew drowsy and fell asleep. And at midnight, the cry was raised: "Behold, the bridegroom is on his way; go out to meet him." Thereupon, all those virgins awoke and fell to trimming their lamps. And now the foolish ones said to the wise. Share your oil with us, our lamps are burning low. But the wise ones answered, How if there's not enough for us and for you? Better that you should find your way to the merchants and buy for yourselves. And so, while they were away buying it, the bridegroom came. Those who stood ready escorted him to the wedding, and the door was shut. Afterwards, those other virgins came with a cry, Lord, Lord, open to us! And he answered, Believe me, I do not recognize you. Be on the watch, then. The day of it and the hour of it are unknown to you. So it was with a man who went on his travels. He called his trusted servants to him and committed his money to their charge. He gave five talents to one, two to another, and one to another, according to their several abilities, and with that he set out on his journey. The man who had received five talents went and traded with him until he had made a profit of five talents more, and in the same way he who had received two made a profit of two. Whereas he who had received but one went off and made a hole in the ground, and there hid his master's money. Long afterwards the master of those servants came back and entered into a reckoning with them. And so the man who had received five talents came forward and brought him five talents more. Lord, he said, "'It was five talents thou gavest me. "'See how I have made a profit of five talents besides.' "'And his master said to him, "'Well done, my good and faithful servant. "'Since thou hast been faithful over little things, "'I have great things to commit to thy charge. "'Come and share the joy of thy Lord.' "'Then came the man who had received two talents. "'Lord,' he said, "'it was two talents thou gavest me. "'See how I have made a profit of two talents besides.' And his master said to him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Since thou hast been faithful over little things, I have great things to commit to thy charge. Come and share the joy of thy Lord. But when he who had received but one talent came forward in his turn, he said, Lord, knowing thee for a hard man that reaps where he did not sow and gathers in from fields he never planted, I took fright, and so went off and hid thy talent in the earth. See now, Thou hast received what is thine. And his Lord answered him, Base and slothful servant, Thou knewest well that I reap where I did not sow, And gather in from fields I never planted. All the more is it thy part to lodge my money with the bankers, So that I might have recovered it with interest when I came. Take the talent away from him, And give it to him who has ten talents already. Whenever a man is rich, gifts will be made to him, and his riches will abound. If he is poor, even what he accounts his own will be taken from him. And now cast the unprofitable servant into the darkness without, where there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit down upon the throne of his glory, and all nations will be gathered in his presence, where he will divide men one from another, as the shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. He will set the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those who are on his right hand, Come, you that have received a blessing from my father, take possession of the kingdom which has been prepared for you since the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food, thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you brought me home, naked, and you clothed me, sick, And you cared for me, a prisoner, and you came to me. Whereupon the just will answer, Lord, When was it that we saw thee hungry, and fed thee, Or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When was it that we saw thee a stranger, and brought thee home, Or naked, and clothed thee? When was it that we saw thee sick, or in prison, and came to thee? And the king will answer them, Believe me, When you did it to one of the least of my brethren here, You did it to me. Then he will say to those who are on his left hand in their turn, Go far from me, you that are accursed, into that eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you never gave me food. I was thirsty, and you never gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you did not bring me home. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not care for me. Whereupon they in their turn will answer, Lord, When was it that we saw thee hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister to thee? And he will answer them, Believe me, when you refused it to one of the least of my brethren here, you refused it to me. And these shall pass on to eternal punishment, and the just to eternal life. Afterwards, when he had made an end of saying all this, Jesus told his disciples, You know that after two days the Paschal feast is coming. It is then that the Son of Man must be given up to be crucified. At this very time, the chief priests and the elders of the people gathered in the court of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas, and there they plotted to bring Jesus into their power by cunning and put him to death. Yet they still said, not on the day of the feast, or perhaps there will be an uproar among the people. But then, while Jesus was in the house of Simon the leper at Bethany, a woman came to him with a pot of very precious ointment and poured it over his head as he sat at table. The disciples were indignant when they saw it. What is the meaning of this waste? they asked. It would have been possible to sell this at a great price and give alms to the poor. This Jesus knew, and said to them, Why do you vex the woman? She did well to treat me so. You have the poor among you always. I am not always among you. When she poured this ointment over my body, she did it to prepare me for my burial. And I promise you, in whatever part of the world this gospel is preached, the story of what she has done shall be told in its place to preserve her memory. And at that, one of the twelve Judas, who was called Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked them, What will you pay me for handing him over to you? Whereupon they laid down thirty pieces of silver, and he from that time onwards looked about for an opportunity to betray him. On the first of the days of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Where wilt thou have us make ready for thee to eat the paschal meal? And Jesus said, Go into the city, find such a man, and tell him, The master says, My time is near. I and my disciples must keep the paschal feast at thy house. The disciples did as Jesus bade them, and made all ready for the paschal meal there. When evening came, he sat down with his twelve disciples, and while they were at table, he said, Believe me, one of you is to betray me. They were full of sorrow, and began to say one after another, Lord, is it I? He answered, The man who has put his hand into the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes on his way, as the Scripture foretells of him. But woe upon that man by whom the Son of Man is to be betrayed. Better for that man if he had never been born. Then Judas, he who was betraying him, said openly, Master, is it I? Jesus answered, Thy own lips have said it. And while they were still at table, Jesus took bread, and blessed, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and offered thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink, all of you, of this, for this is my blood of the New Testament, shed for many to the remission of sins. And I tell you this, I shall not drink of this fruit of the vine again, until I drink it with you, new wine, in the kingdom of my Father. And so they sang a hymn and went out to Mount Olivet. After this, Jesus said to them, "'Tonight you will all lose courage over me. For so it has been written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep of his flock will be scattered. But I will go on before you into Galilee, when I have risen from the dead.' Peter answered him, "'Though all else should lose courage over thee, I will never lose mine.' Jesus said to him, Believe me, this night, before the cock crows, thou wilt thrice disown me. Peter said to him, I will never disown thee, though I must lay down my life with thee. And all the rest of his disciples said the like. So Jesus came, and they with him, to a plot of land called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit down here, while I go in there and pray. But he took Peter and the sons of Zebedee with him. And now he grew sorrowful and dismayed. My soul, he said, is ready to die with sorrow. Do you abide here and watch with me? When he'd gone a little further, he fell upon his face in prayer and said, My father, if it's possible, let this chalice pass me by, only as thy will is, not as mine is. Then he went back to his disciples to find them asleep, and he said to Peter, Had you no strength then to watch with me even for an hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing enough, but the flesh is weak. Then he went back again and prayed a second time, and his prayer was, My Father, if this chalice may not pass me by, but I must drink it, then thy will be done. And once more he found his disciples asleep when he came to them, so heavy their eyelids were. This time he went away without disturbing them, and made his third prayer, using the same words. After that, he returned to his disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest hereafter. As I speak, the time draws near when the Son of Man is to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise up, let us go on our way. Already he that is to betray me is close at hand. And all at once, while he was speaking, Judas who was one of the twelve, came near. With him was a great multitude carrying swords and clubs who had been sent by the chief priests and the elders of the people. The traitor had appointed them a signal. It is none other, he told them, that the man whom I shall greet with a kiss hold him fast. No sooner then had he come near to Jesus than he said, Hail, Master, and kissed him. Jesus said to him, My friend, on what errand hast thou come? Then they came forward, and laid their hands on Jesus, and held him fast. And at that, one of those who were with Jesus lifted a hand to draw his sword, and smote one of the high priest's servants with it, cutting off his ear. Whereupon Jesus said to him, Put thy sword back into its place. All those who take up the sword will perish by the sword. Dost thou doubt that if I call upon my Father even now, he will send more than twelve legions of angels to my side? But how, were it so, should the Scriptures be fulfilled, which have prophesied that all must be as it is? And Jesus said to the multitude at that hour, You have come out to my arrest with swords and clubs as if I were a robber, and yet I used to sit teaching in the temple close to you day after day, and you never laid hands on me. All this was so ordained to fulfill what was written by the prophets. And now all his disciples abandoned him and fled. And those who had arrested Jesus led him away into the presence of the high priest Caiaphas, where the scribes and the elders had assembled. Yet Peter followed him at a long distance, as far as the high priest's palace, where he went in and sat among the servants to see the end. The chief priests and elders and all the council tried to find false testimony against Jesus, such as would compass his death. But they could find none, although many came forward falsely accusing him. Until at last two false accusers came forward who declared, This man said, I have power to destroy the temple of God and raise it again in three days. Then the high priest stood up and asked him, Hast thou no answer to make to the accusations these men bring against thee? Jesus was silent. And the high priest said to him openly, I adjure thee by the living God to tell us whether thou art the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus answered, Thy own lips have said it, and moreover I tell you this. You will see the Son of Man again when he is seated at the right hand of God's power and comes on the clouds of heaven. At this the high priest tore his garments and said, He has blasphemed. What further need have we of witnesses? Mark well, you have heard his blasphemy for yourselves. What is your finding? And they answered, The penalty is death. Then they fell to spitting upon his face, and buffeting him, and smiting him on the cheek, saying as they did so, Show thyself a prophet, Christ. Tell us who it is that smote thee. Meanwhile Peter sat in the court without, and there a maid servant came up to him and said, Thou too was with Jesus the Galilean. Whereupon he denied it before all the company, I do not know what thou meanest. And he went out into the porch, where a second maidservant saw him, and said to the bystanders, This man too was with Jesus the Nazarene. And he made denial again with an oath, I know nothing of the man. But those who stood there came up to Peter soon afterwards and said, It is certain that thou art one of them, even thy speech betrays thee. And with that he fell down to calling curses on himself and swearing, I know nothing of the man, and thereupon the cock crew. Then Peter remembered the word of Jesus, how he had said, Before the cock crows, thou wilt thrice disown me. And he went out and wept bitterly. At daybreak all the chief priests and elders of the people laid their plans for putting Jesus to death. And they led him away in bonds, and gave him up to the governor, Pontius Pilate. And now Judas, his betrayer, was full of remorse at seeing him condemned, so that he brought back to the chief priests and elders their thirty pieces of silver. I have sinned, he told them, in betraying the blood of an innocent man. What is that to us, they said? It concerns thee only. Whereupon he left them, throwing down the pieces of silver there in the temple, and went and hanged himself. The chief priests, thus recovering the money, said, It must not be put in the treasury, since it is the price of blood, and after consultation they use it to buy the potter's field as a burial place for strangers. It is upon that account that the field has been called Hekeldema, the field of blood, to this day. And so the word was fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet Jeremy when he said And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of one who was appraised For men of the race of Israel appraised him And bestowed them upon the potter's field as the Lord had bidden me But Jesus stood before the governor And the governor asked him Art thou the king of the Jews? Jesus told him Thy own lips have said it And when the chief priests and elders brought their accusation against him, he made no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Dost thou not hear all the testimony they bring against thee? But Jesus would not answer any of their charges, so that the governor was full of astonishment. At the festival, the governor used to grant to the multitude the liberty of any one prisoner they should choose. And there was one notable prisoner then in custody, whose name was Barabbas. So when they gathered about him, Pilate asked them, Whom shall I release, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? He knew well that they had only given him up out of malice. And even as he sat on the judgment seat, his wife had sent him a message, Do not meddle with this innocent man. I dreamt today that I suffered much on his account. But the chief priests and elders had persuaded the multitude to ask for Barabbas and have Jesus put to death and so when the governor openly asked them which of the two would you have me release they said Barabbas Pilate said to them what am I to do then with Jesus who is called Christ they said let him be crucified and when the governor said why what wrong has he done they cried louder than ever let him be crucified And so, finding that his good offices went for nothing, and the uproar only became worse, Pilate sent for water, and washed his hands in full sight of the multitude, saying as he did so, I have no part in the death of this innocent man, it concerns you only. And the whole people answered, His blood be upon us and upon our children. And with that he released Barabbas, as they asked. Jesus he scourged, and gave him up to be crucified. After this, the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the palace, and gathered the whole of their company about him. First, they stripped him, and arrayed him in a scarlet cloak. Then they put on his head a crown which they had woven out of thorns, and a rod in his right hand, and mocked him by kneeling down before him, and saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spat upon him, and took the rod from him, and beat him over the head with it. At last, They had done with mockery. Stripping him of the scarlet cloak, they put his own garments on him and led him away to be crucified. As for his cross, they forced a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, whom they met on their way out, to carry it. And so they reached a place called Golgotha, that is, the place named after a skull. Here they offered him a draught of wine mixed with gall, which he tasted but would not drink, and then crucified him, dividing his garments among them by casting lots. There then they sat, keeping guard over him. Over his head they set a written proclamation of his offence. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two thieves, one on his right and one on his left. The passers-by blasphemed against him, tossing their heads. Come now, they said, Thou who wouldst destroy the temple and build it up in three days, rescue thyself. Come down from that cross, if thou art the Son of God. The chief priests with the scribes and elders mocked him in the same way. He saved others, they said. He cannot save himself. If he is the King of Israel, he has but to come down from the cross, here and now, and we will believe in him. He trusted in God. Let God, if he favors him, succor him now. He told us, I am the Son of God. Even the thieves who were crucified with him uttered the same taunts. From the sixth hour onwards, there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Hearing this, some of those who stood by said, "He is calling upon Elias." And thereupon, one of them ran to fetch a sponge, which he filled with vinegar and fixed upon a rod and offered to let him drink. The rest said, "Wait! Let us see whether Elias is to come and save him." Then Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And all at once, the veil of the temple was torn this way and that from the top to the bottom. And the earth shook, and the rocks parted asunder. And the graves were opened, and many bodies arose out of them, bodies of holy men gone to their rest, who after his rising again left their graves and went into the holy city where they were seen by many. So that the centurion and those who kept guard over Jesus with him, when they perceived the earthquake and all that befell, were overcome with fear. No doubt, they said, for this was the Son of God. Many women stood watching from far off. They had followed Jesus from Galilee to minister to him. Among them were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. And now it was evening, and a man came forward, by name Joseph, a rich man from Arimathea, who followed Jesus as a disciple like the rest. He it was who approached Pilate, and asked to have the body of Jesus. Jesus whereupon Pilate ordered that the body should be given up. Joseph took possession of the body and wrapped it in a clean winding-sheet. Then he buried it in a new grave which he had fashioned for himself out of the rock and left it there, rolling a great stone against the grave-door. But there were two who sat on there opposite the tomb, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary with her. Next day, the next after the day of preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered in Pilate's presence and said, Sir, we have recalled it to memory that this deceiver, while he yet lived, said, I am to rise again after three days. Give orders, then, that his tomb shall be securely guarded until the third day, or perhaps his disciples will come and steal him away. If they should then say to the people, He has risen from the dead, this last deceit will be more dangerous than the old. Pilate said to them, You have guards. Away with you. Make it secure as you best know how. And they went and made the tomb secure, putting a seal on the stone and setting a guard over it. On the night after the Sabbath, at the hour when dawn broke on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary Came near to contemplate the tomb. And suddenly there was a great trembling of the earth, because an angel of the Lord came to the place, descending from heaven, and rolled away the stone and sat over it. His face shone like lightning, and his garments were white as snow, so that the gods trembled for fear of him and were like dead men. But the angel said openly to the women, You need not be afraid. I know well that you have come to look for Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was crucified. He is not here, he has risen, as he told you. Come and see the place where the Lord was buried. You must go in haste and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and now he is going on before you into Galilee, where you shall have sight of him. That is my message to you. Whereupon they left the tomb in fear and in great rejoicing and ran to tell the news to his disciples. And while they were on their way, all at once Jesus met them and said, All hail. With that they came near to him and clung to his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and give word to my brethren to remove into Galilee. They shall see me there. They had not finished their journey, When some of the guards reached the city And told the chief priests of all that befell These gathered with the elders to take counsel And offered a rich bribe to the soldiers Let this, they said, be your tale His disciples came by night And stole him away while we were asleep If this should come to the ears of the governor We will satisfy him And see that no harm comes to you The soldiers took the bribe And did as they were instructed And this is the tale which has gone abroad among the Jews to this day. And now the eleven disciples took their journey into Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had bidden them meet him. When they saw him there, they fell down to worship, though some were still doubtful. But Jesus came near and spoke to them. All authority in heaven and on earth, he said, has been given to me. You therefore must go out making disciples of all nations, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all the commandments which I have given you. And behold, I am with you all through the days that are coming, until the consummation of the world.